Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry so you can do church better. I'm your co-host, Chris Wesley, joined by John Ronaldo. John, how's it going in Vegas? Vegas is good. It's warm. It's warm here. Do people know that Vegas can get hot? I don't know if people know that. I, you know, I think if they've listened to the last 30 episodes, <laughs> they realize that Baltimore and Vegas are pretty warm around this time of year. So, you know, it, it, it's funny because I feel like weather is always the default go-to, right? Yeah. <laughs> when, when you don't have a smooth transition and everything, uh, it's, or you're, you're seeing someone, you're like, hey, how about this weather? You know, it, it's, it's the least polarizing thing that we can talk about, you know, and, uh, you know, um, outside, which, you mean, know. which means we need to introduce these podcasts differently than just talking about weather. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so that, that's a challenge that John and I are going to put on ourselves. Um, we're going to do that without <laughs> ourselves out. But, um, you know, I, I'd love to say I'm really excited about this topic that we're going to talk about. But um, it, it, what we're going to talk about today, I think, is an important subject, something that I think needs to be addressed. Um, but uh, for, for those of you who have experienced it before, uh, this might, uh, uh, you know, bring up some, uh, reopen some wounds. Uh, but I think uh, it's a, a topic that if we ignore it any longer, it's going to mean a lot of trouble for us in the church. And, and that's the subject of burnout. Um, you know, we've talked about this subject before. I've, um, I've shared my own personal story here uh, uh, in how I, I burned out a little bit. Even though burnout is, is a little bit more of a stronger term than I'd say what I go th- through. Uh, John, recently, um, I heard someone say that burnout is something you don't recover from. And I think you and I could sit down if we had like a minute or two and list out people we knew that didn't just leave church ministry um, at a specific parish, but left ministry and even the church in general, you know, and, and I don't know about you, but when I think about those people, um, it really breaks my heart. And it, it, it's something that's really sad to see that someone had such a negative experience that um, it forced them to change their faith um, in a way that they could never recover from. Yeah, that is sad. And, and, and I think there are, there are quite a few things in terms of our church culture that contribute to burnout. And knowing full well that this is not just a church issue, obviously we have these in other places uh, in our world as well. But, but I think church in particular, there, there's some unhealthy things that happen in church, Chris, that really set, up, uh, set us up for burnout. Um, and, and a couple of things that just come to mind, you know, is, is the odd hours that many people in church work, right? You know, so like, you know, if you're a church minister, for the most part, you know, it's not a nine to five job. Now, you know, some, some of you may be like business managers or, or, or front office staff, and maybe that's a little bit more nine to five ish. But when I was a business manager, uh, I had plenty of night meetings, you know, I had plenty of weekend types of things and, and, and so I think part of that is being able to, how do you manage you know, the, the crazy schedule that often happens? And, and, and the second one I would say too is how do you take care of your body physically, Chris? We mentioned this before we were recording is, is because you have odd hours, you then don't eat you know, well. You don't eat the way that you do. I remember you know, when I first started my ministry career as a youth ministry leader, uh, because I worked so many evenings, especially as a single young adult, I had no spouse or family to go home to. That was really easy to, to work lots of hours, right? I, it was not a problem to work 50, 60, 70 hours, 
you know, in, in one particular week. But then what would happen is I would go eat crappy food. I'd go to McDonald's or right. Carl's Jr. or In-N-Out or Chick-fil-A. And as much as I love Chick-fil-A, and it's probably maybe, maybe Chick-fil-A is a little healthier than McDonald's, but if it's still not good nuggets. for you. <laughs> if you get the grilled nuggets, you're okay. And the oh, okay. Or the power. Yeah, but, yeah, no. but who, gets, who gets the grilled nuggets? Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, the one kid in my ministry who has a grilled nuggets. Oh, uh, well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> But no, I mean, it, I, th I think you're right. I think there's other factors to it too. Uh, it's not just the odd hours. I think it's uh, getting involved in unhealthy environments. I think a lot of people get involved in youth ministry or church ministry um, and don't take into consideration whether they're working for a healthy organization or not, you know, and there are a lot of unhealthy churches due to poor leadership or management and, and not even leadership, but um there are people on the staffs that are uh, that will suck the joy out of your life and um, and create a very difficult situation. And it does link back to poor leadership because if you are a good leader, you don't you don't have any um, people on your staff that are are creating problems. But yeah, I think I think there are a number of factors. And 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 so what I would love to do in this episode is is break some of those down, right? Um, and uh, I think. I think let's 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 start with uh, leadership um, because really uh, the health of an organization rises and falls on on healthy leadership and so um, and I guess we're going to cross uh, cross over in a couple of things but if you are not healthy as a leader you cannot expect your staff to be healthy so if you see unhealthy culture happening in your parish um, whether that's people showing up late for meetings or people um, who are uh, just difficult people to work with, you need to take a look and, and say like, okay, how am I as a leader? Am I, um, you know, am I a joy-filled person to be around? Um, am I uh, someone who's clear uh, um, in my communication? Um, is there, um, are there clear expectations on, on what I expect um, out of my staff, out of my coworkers? You know, uh, so I, I think those are a couple of questions that leaders should look at um, if they feel like they're a part of an unhealthy organization. People inadvertently do what their leader, their boss, their supervisor do, right? And so, and and that's usually, it's unintentional. It's not like the leader, the pastor, or the, the supervisor, whoever's going to lead the church. It's not like they're intentionally creating an unhealthy environment. That's the thing. And so I want to be very careful of that. It's rarely intentional. It's usually accidental, you know, but they'll model it. So if you're working 60 hours a week and you are responding to emails at 12 midnight or 1 a.m., what you are doing is setting up an expectation, even if it's unintentional, that your, your staff are doing the same thing are going to start doing the same thing. And I think we need to be very careful about that. Um, and, and so you're right. I think that first step is really kind of that self-exploration. What am I doing? How am I modeling healthy or unhealthy uh, environment and, 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 and professional practices? And I think a piece of this too is, is you know, vacation and days off. You know, um, I understand that it can be really easy to work seven days straight in a ministry setting. Uh, I've done it. Chris, you've done it. Look, we've all done it, you know, because things come up, right? There's, it's an intense period of time, you know, and, and so we have a lot going on. So we work seven days, fine. And, and we work, you know, 
you know, that week we work 80 hours. Okay, sometimes that happens. The concern is when that starts to happen on a more regular basis, right? So what happens if, if someone's working that many hours? Well, then there needs to be an adjustment, you know, the following week. And we need to encourage that. Um, as a leader in the church, as a pastor, as, as an administrator, we need to then say, okay, you worked seven days last week. You know, you need to not do that this week. I mean, right. just to be right. quite honest, I, and so I give you permission to take Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off so that you can recover from this crazy week that you just had. Yeah. And, and a good, yeah, a good pastor, a good leader. Um, and this isn't just even with staff, but if you lead a team of volunteers, you know, th this is just as true. A good leader is aware of the behaviors and the attitudes of their team. And, and, and there's a responsibility that uh, those people have, that leaders have to address those, uh, just as you mentioned with the schedule, if your team's overworking to let them take that time off, but you know, even to say like, hey, I've noticed that um, you know, when I talk to you, uh, there, there, it, it feels like there's something else on your mind or there feels like there's something else going on. Um, I wanna let you know that you have every right to uh, share that with me or to, um, you know, uh, if, if there's something going on to address it, um, but I just wanna want you to be aware that your behavior is you know, creating this or that sort of atmosphere or environment. Um, you know, and so as leaders, I think we have to really be fully aware of our teams. Now that doesn't ab abdicate, um, you know, uh, uh, um, for uh, those of us who aren't leaders to kind of blame our, uh, blame our leaders or, or to, um, you know, blame them and say like, well, it's all their fault, bad leadership, and that's why my work environment's unhealthy. I think those of us in, um, in, in ministry, parish ministry, that aren't the pastor, that aren't the leaders, um, need to take responsibility ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been very fortunate. I look back um, at most of my supervisors in ministry is they had really good balance. So they had um, uh, just a good professional boundaries in terms of hours that they work. And, and what happened is because they had that, they encouraged me both, both verbally by telling me, but also just unintentionally by just modeling it, you know, that, that I should be doing the same thing. And so fortunately, I mean, I remember Chris, you were telling, you know, in previous episodes, you did tell your story about, you know, close to burnout, whatnot. Um, you know, and I, I've been very fortunate that I've never been in the, the same spot, you know, that you, that you share Chris with burnout. And part of it is because I, I got lucky. <laughs> I did. I get lucky. Yeah. You know, I've had some very good leaders. I, I think about my first, my first uh, supervisor, who was the associate pastor of a parish at the time. You know, he really modeled it for me and, and allowed me to take the time I need to do, you know, to, to take time off, to take vacation, to work out, you know, whatnot, and gave me that flexibility. And I look back at my leader in the Archdiocese of LA, my leader at Catholic Charities, I, my leader at the Diocese of San Jose. I, like, I, I think about all the supervisors. They really modeled it for me. Uh, you know, and so I was always from a very early age in, in my career, in my mid 20s, I was I was being self-disciplined. How many hours are going to work? If I'm going to work seven days, what days am I going to take off next week? Am I using my vacation? Uh, I've had bosses that have seen me come in sick and they're like, what are you doing here? You're sick. Go home. Right. right it's right. good. Right? I, right. I want that. And so I've, I've been forced to go home, even if I didn't want to go home, like what? I want to have work to do, you yeah. know, but they forced me to go home because I'm sick. That is, those are good boundaries. Those are good professional boundaries to set up. And so 
um, again, just reiterating the idea that the, the, the supervisor, the leader really models it uh, in yeah. so many ways. And, and so we need to take that role seriously. Well, I think mo model is the key word here. Model is the key word because um, if you as a leader are just telling your staff to be healthy, but then at the same time you're working seven days a week, 24 hours a day and checking your email at midnight, it's going to contradict what you say. And uh, actions do speak louder than words in those sort of circumstances. So I think that's definitely something we have to be fully aware of. Um, but again, uh, leadership's important, but it's not the only thing. I think it comes down to us too. And, and so let's talk about schedules, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the culture that I, I was just blogging about this a few weeks ago where, um, you know, we think that because ministry is, you know, more flexible, that that uh, removes any responsibility from us having to be there nine to five um, or uh, because, you know, depending on our ministry, our clientele or our target audience isn't there nine to five that we have to work all these evenings and everything like that. And so when you don't have a structure or framework, um, that can lead to a lot of uh, opportunities where you say yes, and you start to negate um, all the important things that give you rest and, and fuel during the rest of the week. Yeah. And, and there's data, for instance, to suggest that people who work more than 50 hours a week actually become less productive. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and, and, and I wish I could cite exactly what research that was, but I've heard it in numerous different places. And so, so even though there's these people, and th this includes even high-level CEOs who are working 80 hours a week, uh, they find that um, they lose productivity dramatically after, certainly after 50 hours you know, of work in a week because they're just too tired you know, to be able to do that. And so it may be counterintuitive. It's like, I, I have all these things I need to do. I've got to put in these hours to prepare for a retreat, to prepare for a, a big volunteer appreciation event or whatnot. Um, but your productivity and your efficiency dramatically decreases the more hours you work in a week. And so um, you may be working all these hours, but you're not getting anything done. Right. Right? And, right. and I think that's a challenge that we need to do that. And so to your point, I think you need to really, as an individual contributor in, in the church, as an individual minister, I, I need to limit how many hours a week I'm going to work and, right. and keep it certainly below, below 50. You know, um, and, and again, there is times to work 50, 60 hours. I get that as well, but it should not be every week. If, if you're starting to work 50, 60 hours or more every week, you you are heading in serious trouble. Well, I mean, you think about athletes, right? Professional athletes have time of rest. They're not working out like 24-7. I mean, some of them take naps. Some of them, you know, just they, there's an off season where they relax because their body has to recuperate and recover and can even come back stronger. And, you know, it's things like if you want your brain to function well, uh, you need to make sure that you get sleep because your brain recovers in its sleep. If you want to um, make sure that uh, you are, um, you know, uh, like uh, productive to a max, you've got to make sure that you have guidelines of when deadlines happen, when, you know, things are due. And so having a schedule is important. Having a structure is important, but also scheduling that time for rest, having that time for, um, uh, for boredom in a way too. We don't allow ourselves to get bored anymore. Mm -hmm. And really that's where creativity spawns is, is in those moments where you have nothing else to do or to think about. And then all of a sudden you have these crazy harebrained ideas, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and we, we just don't give ourselves time to, to process, think or recover.
Yeah. So, so a couple of things here, limit how many hours you work in a week and limit how many days in a row that you work. And if you have to work six, seven days in a row, uh, then plan to take a couple of days off the following week. That would normally be a work day for you, but right. take those days off. Uh, you need to do that. What's your sleep schedule look like? Look, I'm not at all going to say you need to have eight hours or you need to have six hours because I think right. everybody's different. I used to think I needed eight hours and, and now the older I get, I, I just turned 40 this year uh, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, no, I, I need seven hours, you know, because now I've discovered eight hours is too much. Look, everybody's different. Uh, but the reality is it's good to, to, to know how much sleep that you need and be intentional about trying to get that. When it comes back, when it comes to the, the, the hours and, 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 and work, uh, how many days a week you work and how many hours, the other thing to consider also is, how many nights a week are you going to work uh, and really limit that? Chris, you have a limit, right? You, you try to stick to how many nights a, a week? Yeah. And actually, uh, Kate, my wife and I were just discussing this because um, at my previous church, I, I worked definitely two nights a week, Thursday nights and Sunday nights for our middle school and our high school program. And um, so the rule of thumb was no more than three nights a week, um, you know, actually no more than two nights a week with um, rare occasions. If confirmation was popping up and, you know, we had an info meeting or um, I had to meet with my leaders, um, I could have one meeting that week. Um, and, and then Christmas and, and Easter were the exception too, because, you know, I was part of the planning team and everything like that. Um, and that's when things were good. When I started to work more than those two to three evenings a week, that's when actually um, I started to experience burnout because I was missing out on quality family time, like uh, missing out with, uh, you know, quiet time with my wife, uh, missing out with bedtime with my kids. Um, and, uh, you know, and I wasn't even like, uh, where now if I work in the evening, I pick up my kids from school, I go home and I spend as much time with them, which is usually most of my meetings don't happen until 730. So it's after dinner. I'll have dinner and then I go back to the church. Um, at least I have quality time with my kids at that point, you know? Um, but before I would stay at the church and just not see my family for over 12 hours. And, and that was exhausting. And, and it was just not a healthy place to be. Um, I think when it comes, if you're going to work evenings, um, you have to have those trade-offs where you shouldn't ex be expected to come in during the day and really make sure that those daytimes too, um, that there's still time for family, for your friends, for your significant others um, during those moments, because um, that's who you're, you're taking it away from when you work in those evenings. And some of you who are listening to this are, are young adults, are single young adults who don't have families at home right now. And, and, and it's, I, I remember being in this phase of thinking, oh, you know, I got nothing to go home to. No biggie. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll work six nights this week or I'll, I'll, whatever. I'm not worried about it. But this is the time of life where we're starting to set up our habits, right? So if you're a leader in your 20s and you're just starting out in ministry, set up those good habits now, even if you don't have uh, a family at home, you don't have a spouse or kids, um, do your future spouse and future kids a favor and set up those habits now while it's easier. Because mm. once you set up habits of working lots of nights uh, in one week um, and, and not having that balance, it's harder to withdraw back from that when you do need that time, when you have a spouse, when you have kids and pay attention right. to that. So, so I think you need to do your future family a favor if you're in that phase of life and, and set this up now. 
I think it's also important though that we clarify what we're doing while we're at work. Um, so, you know, uh, there was a, a moment um, a couple of weeks ago where my son Matthew uh, was asking, are you going back to work tonight? And it was almost like he was asking that every single night for, I felt like for five days in a row, he was asking, are you going back to work tonight? And uh, only once did I ask yes. And, and finally I was, uh, you know, I was talking to Kate. I was like, you know, why does he keep asking that? And, um, and, you know, we, through the conversation realized that that through his perception, he just remembers me not being there for some of those evenings. And, and, and so I sat down and talked with him and I said, Hey, do you know what I do? And, you know, he said, you work for the church, you help teenagers get to know God and Jesus teaching them about the faith. And I was like, that's right. But I was like, do you know why I have evening meetings at times? And he said, no. And I explained to him, there are people that are a part of the church that can't meet during the day. You know, they just, they, they can't meet with me during the day. So in order for me to reach them, I have to meet at, at night at time, uh, at times. And, um, and so he started to understand that. And he hasn't asked that question as much because now there's a deeper appreciation or understanding for why I do what I do. So even if you don't have kids, even if, um, even if you're not married, with your friends, your social life, make sure people have a clarity around what you do and why you do what you do. So then they can also challenge you and just say like, hey, you've been working a lot of nights. What's the return that you're getting? What, what's the purpose of all these evenings that you're working? Because it seems to be out of, out of sorts or out of habit or routine from, from what you're doing. So, um, so I think it's important to clear, clarify and communicate with those people who are closest to us why we do what we do and why we do them like when we do them. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and so there will be a little bit less pushback or a deeper understanding of why our schedules are so all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've actually had to do that with my eight year old recently mm -hmm. as well. So um, especially since I, I work from, <clears throat> from my home, you know, and, and she's home during the summer and she's bugging me. It's like, why, why aren't you playing with us or swimming with yeah. us and whatnot? It's like, well, I, I still have work to do. I may not right. have an outside office to go to, but there's still work to be done. Right. And, and, and this is a little bit new for us. So she's having a hard time comprehending that right now, which is fine. So um, I, I think one other thing, though, there's more than one other thing, but I think another important thing, quite honestly, is vacation. Mm. And, and we've had a whole, we've done a whole episode on vacation. And so we're not going to spend that much time on vacation, but uh, it's really a travesty that any one of us has any vacation hours left at the end of the year. Like whether you get two, three, four weeks or more vacation, like I am a huge proponent of using it and using it all every year. And, mm -hmm. and it, and it is about that rest and relaxation, stepping away from ministry. And, and I know some people, and I know Chris, you've done this, right? You'll do you'll do three days here. You'll do five days there. You'll spread out some of your vacations. Uh, I like that. I think there's a place for that. I'm a huge proponent of if you've got a big block of vacation, use it all at the same time. Right. You know, I, so I'm like, I, I've done it. Like I did it last summer. I, I, we were gone for an entire month and, and we just did some traveling as a family. And, um, and it was just an opportunity for both my wife and I to really unplug. And there's something about the longevity of time away that allows you to unplug in a different way than you can do just taking a week or three days off of vacation. Again, use it any way that you need to. My point is use it. You know, right. but, but I think there's fruitfulness of using it in a large chunk of time and you going, being gone for two weeks for a vacation at one time, I think is, is really quite healthy. And again, I'm going to challenge all of you who are listening. You should have no vacation hours left at the end of the year. 
uh, you should use it all as much as possible. Well, and, and what I'll say is two largest reasons why people don't is one, because of um, a lack of expectations from leadership, you know, not knowing if they can, like they feel like they can't use it or whatnot, or there's these false expectations of when you can use it, right? Because the majority of people, especially if you have kids, um, will use it in the summertime. And so there's always this like, I've got to use it during the summertime and then you feel like you can't take it off the rest of the year. The second thing is, is disorganization, right? If I don't feel like I can take time off, it's probably because I'm not organized. Um, it's probably because I'm afraid of what might happen when I'm gone, right? And so I try to take time off during the safe periods. Maybe summer is one of those safe periods when everyone else is off or around Christmas when no one else really cares about ministry between Christmas and New Year's, you know, or, um, but like, I'll never take time off in the fall or I'll never take time off during Lent because I'm afraid that, you know, uh, if I'm gone, things will fall apart. And, and that's, uh, and that shouldn't be true. I mean, we're not accountants where we have a busy season where like we, the majority of our work gets done. We're not professional, you know, ball players um, where, you know, there's a season that, that needs to be played. There are important days like you shouldn't take off, but for the majority of us, I don't see a, a season in church where it's not okay to uh, step away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I understand that that's hard for folks. And still the reality is for me, the majority of, of my vacation has usually always been the summer. And that was even before I had kids uh, and, and family. It's like, that was just the more, the more ideal time to do that. But yeah, that, that leads to, in terms of the burnout question is, is how are you developing the leaders around you? Now we've right. done lots of episodes on this uh, before, and I'll link to some of them in the, in the show notes, just go to the churchpodcast.org under episode 91. And I'll link to a couple of those just so you can get a little bit more information on there. But, but how, how do, how are we raising the leaders around us? Because if our minute, our entire ministry is totally dependent on us, Chris, that's the problem, right? That mm-hmm. that's when we get into this place of like, I can't leave. There, there's right. no time that I can leave because if I leave, then this ministry or this thing or is going to fall apart. Right. Um, that just means that we need to spend more time developing our, our leadership base through our volunteers. And if you have staff with your staff uh, to be able to do that, I think that's essential training up the leaders around you so that you can disappear for one week. And it's not the end of the world, right? It's not right. the end of the world. Definitely, definitely. Let's uh, let's let's kind of move on to uh, physical and spiritual health, right? Like taking care of our, our mind, body, and soul in in that regards. And and we've kind of done that already with the schedule. But um, you know, physically, I think you know, and I, I alluded to this in the last episode where you know I've started changing some of my eating habits because I was just starting to feel lethargic. Um, you know, John, uh, and I, I joke about John's weight because he gets, to, he has to gain weight where I have to lose it. But like, um, when I started, my, my, for to be clear, my trainer is saying, if I want to gain muscle, I need to eat more food. Clearly it's not working, Chris, just for the record, because right, I have right. not gained muscle. <laughs> when I've tried to figure out a way I can donate to, to John. <laughs> I want your muscle, Chris. Yeah, That's all yeah. I want. So. My muscle. Well, all right. We'll, we'll have to re, uh, <laughs> renegotiate that. But anyway, um, no, you know how like in college, there's the freshman 15, um, yeah. you know, and everything in church world, I believe it's the freshman 50 or your first year 50. When I started at uh, Nativity, when I was 24 years old, I was working so hard, so much, 
late nights that my eating habits got out of control and I gained, uh, I, I, I went from like 215 pounds to 265 pounds. Whoa. I can't yeah. even imagine that. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, see, so I'm, I'm the type of guy that, um, does not look as heavy, um, as he is right. Like, uh, you know, and, and so when I tell people that, but when you look back at pictures, I, I, I just did not look healthy. And, and so, um, and this was in the midst of, of learning how to run long distance. And so I got engaged and just made a commitment to start losing weight. And I got down and everything, um, at my current church, um, you know, I started there, uh, I forget how much I weighed when I started there, but you know, I gained weight again in the first two years, uh, that I've been there. And, and so it's, it's the stress of starting something new of new expectations and everything. I mean, that's, you know, that's the way that I, I deal with stress is by, by going to food. And so now um, it's been learning how to, uh, and, and I'm older, right? I don't have the metabolism I had when I was 24 years old. And, um, and, and so it's still, uh, it's still, uh, um, it, it's hard to, to lose that weight. But I know that if I'm not eating right, if I'm not running, if I'm not working out, that I am not as focused um, at the workplace, that my writing suffers, my creativity suffers, my attitude suffers because I'm just, you know, um, running on fumes. Mm -hmm. So you know, here are two, two things that I did around food uh, that really helped me and, and, and I highly recommend it because I've seen it work at so many places. First of all, I always pack a lunch. You know, when I had an office job uh, in diocese or parish, I always brought my lunch with me. Uh, mm -hmm. And because I knew if I had food, then I wouldn't go to McDonald's or wherever down the street and eat something a little bit healthier. So one, I always pack lunch, but two, I made a pact. I remember my first ministry job, I made a pact with one of my coworkers because both of us were working odd hours and we found ourselves going out to fast food a lot together for dinner, especially not so much lunch, that we made a pact and said, we're not going to have fast food. So we gave up fast food cold turkey, but we did it together because we had the accountability. Now we had to define that. So what's fast food? Well, McDonald's was fast food, but a sandwich place like a Togo's a Subway, that's not, that's okay, right? Cause that's a little right. bit different, it's not right. fried food, right? So we did a little defining of that, you know, but the, the important thing is I had accountability with somebody else, you know, mm -hmm. who, who also had odd hours, who was working as part of the parish. And that really helped quite honestly. Yeah. Um, and those were two, two, made, two food decisions that I made that I still hold to this day. I'm very intentional with, you know, in packing lunches when I need to, you know, because my egg salad sandwich and my wife will make fun of me. I will pack the same lunch every day. There was a time that every single lunch was egg salad on sourdough with a yogurt, with carrot sticks, spinach, cherry tomatoes as a salad and a, like a cheese stick of some sort. Every day, that was my lunch. And my wife was like, how can you eat that every day? It's like, well, I eat because I need to live, not you know, not, not because I crave food. And that's just, I'm, I'm lucky, I think, in that, you know, I just don't love food that much, you know, so, but, but I can have the same thing every day. Uh, and she made fun of me. So. Yeah, well, I'm gonna make fun of you too, John. Please do. <laughs> a lot of us don't have that problem. But no, I mean, packing your lunch is definitely key to that, because it's not even a health thing, but a financial, financial thing too. Yeah. packing your lunch, you spend less money, especially if you have that routine sort of meal. But um you know, if, if you, if you struggle with that, if you're not like a good cook or everything, this is where preparation takes place, you know, spend that Saturday or that Sunday afternoon, putting together a meal plan and looking at what you're going to eat. And even if you can prep some of those meals ahead of time, like with a, um, you know, crock pot or, um, 
you know, uh, just uh, cooking them ahead where you just need to reheat them, uh, reheat those meals. Uh, for me, like a huge thing is uh, grilling out a bunch of chicken breasts, you know, and just having that uh, with different seasonings and then just cutting them up and, and throwing that either in a salad or in a wrap or, you know, what with pasta or something. And it, it gives me protein and a little bit of variety um, in that regards as well. Um, and, and definitely talk to your doctor about your health as well, because if you're stress eating, it's going to be tough. And I know, especially those of us in youth ministry, it can be challenging because we're feeding our kids um, pizza and we're taking them to fast food places and it's an area of convenience. And, and, you know, John, like that's something that I'm looking at this year with our youth programs. Um, do we need to continue to serve pizza, you know, every single week or are there healthier, you know, um, alternatives out there. It's not like we're going to put out a veggie tray and say like, Hey, this should substitute pizza or Hey guys, it's cauliflower crusted pizza. You know, like they, they would revolt, but you know, um, just some, don't tell them, just right. tell them it's regular pizza. <laughs> like, right, they right, won't right. know. <laughs> yeah. They'll know. They'll know. <laughs> come on, come on. They know when they're eating the gluten-free crust. And yeah, that's true. Right. So, um, but yeah, I, I think looking at those habits, if you're a pastor, I think it's important to look at um, your, your food policy for the church. And, and so this is where I got in trouble, right? Um, was you, you know, this working at a church, so-and-so brings their leftovers from their 50th wedding anniversary or birthday party, or especially around the holidays, or, you know, they bring in their baked goods for the pastor or whatnot. And your, your parish kitchen uh, the parish center kitchen becomes this uh, like golden corral of, uh, <laughs> of just gluttony. And, you know, <laughs> if you don't have the John Ronaldo self-control over food, you know, like you're going to go in and you're just going to say like, Oh yeah, they made this for me. I, uh, you know, I don't want to refuse a gift. Mom always said, don't refuse a gift. And, and you know, you eat it and, and you fill up on it and, and that's how you gain all that holiday weight. I think one thing I can appreciate about Father White at Nativity, I mean, there's other things, of course, but one thing in particular in regards to health was the fact that, um, you know, we, we just, we turned down food. Um, if people brought in their leftovers, we're like, I'm sorry, this sounds rude and everything like that, but, you know, we want a healthy staff. And one of the ways we're going to do that is just not accept your leftovers. And if people brought in baked goods, you know, around the holidays, um, again, we say, Hey, thank you so much for the gesture, but we're going to, we're going to probably give this to the local soup kitchen or um, food pantry because we want to maintain that health. Now in return, it's not like we didn't have any food. There were, uh, we had someone on staff um, who was a part of our operations who made sure that there were like kind granola bars, you know, the kind bars um, there was fruit always available. There were nuts, um, you know, a pretty, uh, pretty paleo sort of uh, diet um, available. Um, of course, plenty of coffee too. Um, but like uh, that, you know, as a staff, we didn't have to worry about junk food snacking because um, our pastor did care about our physical health as well. Um, another thing too, and I don't think a lot of churches do this, at least Catholic churches. I know of a lot of evangelical churches that do this. If you have someone in your parish that runs a gym, work out. Uh, and, and here's the thing. If you can't afford bigger salaries for your staff, but you have someone in your parish that runs a gym that could make, that could work out some kind of uh, deal where people on your staff get discounted or free gym memberships, that would be a huge perk. 
you know, because uh, I don't know about you, John, but around here, local gym memberships per person cost close to like, you know, 90 to a hundred dollars per person. And, and then when families, you know, it, it, it gets, it, it can be unaffordable, but if you can, if there's someone in your parish that runs a CrossFit gym or a local, you know, um, just your traditional gym or a yoga studio or something like that, that can provide discount um, uh, membership, that would be huge. And, uh, and uh, that would be awesome provide for your staff well and encourage some dioceses that i've been a part of have actually had discounted memberships to gyms that was offered to everybody who worked for the diocese as well and so uh i know like for instance the archdiocese of los angeles had that when i was working there and that's something to advocate for your diocese because your diocese can can advocate for that especially with your those big chain gyms you know whether it's like 24-hour fitness or Mm -hmm. uh all these other places uh that are out there you know they can negotiate in a better way than maybe an individual parish can just because of the bulk of people that right. the, their diocese or archdiocese is saying. So that, I think that's a great point of advocacy, Chris. I hadn't thought about that. That's a great point of advocacy for the for your diocesan HR office to well, take a and, look at doing that for, for all employees of the diocese. Well, it makes sense with the diocese too, because, uh, you know, if you have healthier clients, you're going to spend less on um, insurance. You know, if you have healthier employees, you're going to spend less on insurance. And, you know, we talk about insurance rates being through the roof. So it, it, it would it, it makes so much sense for if you run a parish, whether at uh, the local level or the diocesan level, to figure out ways to promote physical health. Because if you have physical health, you're not only going to have more productive employees, but happier employees as well. Um, and uh, here's another practical tip too. I saw this on a TED Talk and uh, um, where as a suggestion of have your meetings standing up and walking meetings. If, if you're meeting one-on-one, uh, with someone like, say you're the DRE and you're meeting with the youth minister, you know, <laughs> I, probably never happens, but like, say you are, go for a walk around the church building, you know, while you talk. Um, uh, and instead of sitting at a table or a desk, instead of going out for coffee or grab your coffee and go, um, you know, one thing I really appreciate about my pastor, um, now Monsignor Hillgardner, is uh, there are times where he'll come by my office and say, hey, you want to grab a cup of coffee? And uh, I'll, I'll say, I'll go with you. And, and we have a business meeting on the way to the local coffee shop. Um, and it's, it's a good 15, 20 minute um, round trip, you know, and it's great because then I get 15, 20 minutes of quality time with them, 15, 20 minutes of, uh, of, of meeting. And uh, I'm also staying healthy. You know, I'm not, it gets me out from behind my desk. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that, too. And quite honestly, there's sometimes a diff- an openness. It actually makes your meetings more efficient as well for some folks uh, mm-hmm. who enjoy the movement uh, and think better when they're moving. And so um, they we're moving away from burnout here. But th- I think that's a that's an efficiency thing as well. I think you can have really good meetings walking or standing up. Yeah. So good. good. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I know uh, we um, haven't touched it yet, but spiritual health as well. You know, I I think um, uh, we've talked about staffs that pray together. We've talked about uh, staff cultures, Uh, staff that prays together um, is a staff where people are going to be healthier. Um, As as leaders, we need to make sure that we are taking time to worship, um, you know, at mass to take time to grow in our faith. It's going to look different than it does for our parishioners, uh, for people who don't work in the church, uh, especially the local church. But um, if we're not taking care of our souls, um, if we're not taking care of our bodies, uh, then again, we're running on empty and that's just not a healthy way of, of leading a ministry. 
I, I think that's important. And for me, uh, daily mass has been a huge piece of this in terms of vo- avoiding burnout is the spirituality that I get uh, when I can go to daily mass. Now, I, I didn't go every day, but one of, the, one of the shifts I've seen in me, Chris, over the past couple of years, now that I'm not working in a place that has access to daily mass every day, where the first 15 years of my career was that, I always had daily mass available, like right across the hall or right across campus, yeah. you know, um, I miss it. I really do miss it. Uh, and, and I realized that I need it. And, and especially because the Sunday worship experience for me is so chaotic with my three young kids. Like, yes. I feel like sometimes on Sunday, I don't get anything out of it. Uh, just because I'm like corralling my kids. Like this past Sunday, again, we've had many confessions of this on the podcast. I was out with my little boy outside of church and he was just in rare form. I finally had to lock him in his car seat in the car and I miss mass. Yeah. You know? uh, uh, so I need daily mass and I'm discovering more and more. That's huge for me. Now that's my own personal spirituality, but that helps me out tremendously. No, yeah, yeah. If uh, anyone follows John on uh, social media, you definitely saw his tweets about raising one kid, two kids, and then three kids. I, I definitely enjoyed that. <laughs> that, but, that was inspired by my experience last Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, it's so true. It, like, um, I know one thing I've talked about here, I've talked about in blog posts, and, and I need to get back into it was once a month, I would take um, not a day off, I would take a work day to go and sit in uh, perpetual adoration and uh, go to the adoration ch- chapel and then go to confession and then uh, and also have daily mass and just really focus on my spiritual health. And, you know, I, I would almost say um, if you're a pastor or, you know, um, a supervisor, it, like encourage your staff to go to daily mass Um and uh, don't detract it as time away. You know, don't say like, oh, well, that's your personal time. You know, if they want to do it in the middle of their day, like allow that to happen, you know, because uh, in a way it's them checking in with your boss's 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 boss. You know? <laughs> there and, you go. <laughs> uh, and, and so um, allow your staff to go to daily mass, allow your staff to, you know, take a, a 30 minute break uh, for, you know, adoration. We used to do that for cigarettes, right? We used to give people 15 minute smoke breaks. Um, how often would it be if uh, awesome would it be if we gave uh, people 15 minute adoration breaks, you know, like it's like, hey, you know, go out there into the courtyard and, you know, sit in front of the Mary statue and do like a, a, a decade of the um, of the rosary. You know, I, I think it would be a pretty interesting. Um, uh, it would be a really cool culture that we could create if we did that um, and, and a much healthier one. And then, you know, I know we were talking about like best habits um, for us as leaders, but this is what helps us avoid burnout. Now, you know, Satan's still going to play his evil tricks. A thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, you know, and, and, and so there are ways that he's going to attack us in, in our journey. But if we stay on top of our schedules, if we um, as leaders are aware of our behaviors and what that communicates to the rest of our staff, if we, you know, if we take care of ourselves spiritually, I think that's going to really help us be more aware of those times where we're tired and we do need rest um, of those times where we do need to take a step back because what, you know, John, I know with parish success group and in your own consulting and experience in ministry. And I know with marathon youth ministry, I've seen people burn out because they um, instead of taking a step back to reassess what's going on in their life, they just, drive themselves harder and um, they grind it out even more thinking the harder that I work, I'll get through my problems. And, and I think we, we've all heard and learned before that the way through your problems is not 
by working harder into them. It's by taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. This episode is really important for me, not only as an individual, but working across the country with different parishes and dioceses, I, I see this unhealthiness play out and rears its head in a lot of different ugly ways. And, and, and I'm committed in the work I do with Paris Success Group to really combat some of these things. And so I'm glad we spent a little time you know, uh, in this episode talking about burnout, because I think we've got to create these good habits, you know, from yeah. the physical stuff to the emotional spiritual stuff to just how we schedule ourselves um, because bottom line is if we are burnt out we will not be good models to our parishioners of what it means to be a disciple of Christ uh, and we want people in our parishes to see joy right Pope Francis wrote joy of the gospel right you know right. Um, uh, there's a lot of joyful things that we have in faith, but if we are burned out, if we are living unhealthy lifestyles, uh, then, then our ability to help people know Christ quite honestly is diminished. Yeah. And, and that is hugely concerning for me as someone who loves the church, uh, loves Christ and loves what I do. Like I want to see churches thrive and part of the conversation that we need to be having. And, and I do have as, as a consultant and coach uh, is talking about these, these questions of burnout, talking about efficient systems and effectiveness. And so, so this, this topic touches my heart. I'm glad we spent a little extra time, Chris, talking about this particular episode. So, so thanks for bringing this one up. No, definitely. And I, I can appreciate your perspective. I know you you personally have helped me through some of these things. And, and even your your employer, Rich, you know, uh, Rich Kern with Parish Success Group, um, you know, I've had conversations with him before. And uh, we've shared how many good men and women we've seen just, you know, burn themselves out because they take on way too much. And, um, and you know, that's what organizations like parish success group and marathon youth ministry are about is creating healthier organizations, healthier parishes. That's why we do this podcast, right? It's not just to hear us talk about church strategy, but we want to see more men and women in church ministry. We want to see more men and women thrive in church ministry. And so uh, we appreciate uh, everyone who listens to this podcast and we encourage you guys to share this, you know, um, if you haven't shared it before, uh, share it with your friends, your coworkers, you know, on, on your social media, um, let us know how we're doing. And you can do that on iTunes. Uh, just leave a, a review there. It doesn't have to be great. It can be a great review. Um, we won't turn that down. A uh, bad review. We'd love to know just because we want to know if we're doing better. Um, but also uh, feel free to leave comments by going to the churchpodcast.org or sending us an email at questions at the churchpodcast.org. John, if people want to reach out to you personally, um, what's uh, some of the best ways they can do that? Yeah, check me out uh, on our website, parishsuccessgroup.com, or check me out on social media at John Ronaldo, especially on Twitter. It's fun to get in conversations with you guys there. So if you're on Twitter and want to dialogue about some of this stuff, let's do it. It's fun. We end up awesome. roping in other people along the way too. It's cool. Awesome, awesome. And uh, for me, uh, on social media, it's Marathon Youth Ministry. We go to the website marathonyouthministry.com. But again, visit our website, uh, thechurchpodcast.org, especially for show notes and links to past episodes. Uh, thank you guys all for what you do, John. Thanks for uh, embarking in this conversation with me. Uh, would you close us out in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we know that burnout, we know that tiredness, we know that um, fatigue can affect every single one of us in ministry. Lord, we just 
ask that you you help us send your spirit on us to to help us create good habits good systems uh, good good behavior that's going to help us avoid the traps of burnout uh, and allow us to thrive in our ministries allow us to serve you more fully so that people can get to know you we know that if we burn out if we're fatigued we are not the best model of what it means to be a uh, a, a disciple, uh, and, and we want people to know you, Lord, and that comes with joy, that comes with, um, with energy, Lord. So, so give us that energy, help us to create good habits and avoid burnout. Lord, we lift up this podcast to all those who listen, every single individual that's listening to this podcast, Lord, we, we, we just offer them up in prayer, Lord. We, we pray for their success in ministry, and, 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 and Lord, just bless them and help them thrive in their ministry. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.